0: Hey, I'm Sarah Shirk, and I'm from Pembroke, Kentucky, and I'm a young wife and mama. I often listen to Compelled when I'm doing my housework, and I absolutely love hearing all of these stories. I love seeing how Jesus redeems lives for His own, and takes people that it seems like were in hopeless situations,
1: and turns their life around and redeems them, turns their story into something beautiful, and only something He could do. I hope you enjoy today's episode.
0: I always go back to what the Bible says. God is glorified in our weaknesses, you know. No matter what our circumstances, you know, he's always upholding us with his right hand.
1: I'm Paul Hastings, and you're listening to Season 4 of Compelled a seasonal podcast using gripping, immersive storytelling to celebrate the powerful ways God is transforming the lives of Christians around the world. Last week, we heard from Evelyn Husband Thompson. Her husband, Rick, was the commander of the Space Shuttle Columbia in 2003 minutes before touchdown the columbia exploded in earth's atmosphere killing all crew members and leaving evelyn and her children reeling and looking to god for answers you can hear that story with evelyn by tuning in to our episode from last week Today, our guest is Edgar Pacheco Jr. In 2001, Edgar was born into this world without arms or legs. And although he has already faced many hurdles throughout his life, Edgar has always known that God is the one who has kept him and sustained him and allowed Edgar to thrive even without limbs. So lean in and join us for another compelling story from the kingdom of God. I met up with Edgar at a church in a Houston suburb. His best friend Aiden came along to the interview as well and helped navigate Edgar's wheelchair. And you'll learn a little more about Aiden in the story to come. One thing that struck me about Edgar right away was his smile. And you could actually hear that smile come through in his voice. This guy is always smiling. The first time you see Edgar, you probably wouldn't think he has that much to smile about though. But as you will hear, Edgar believes that's the furthest thing from the truth. Our story begins in the year 2000 right along the Texas-Mexico border where the two young people who would eventually become Edgar's parents first met. My
0: mom grew up being a pastor's child. She grew up in the church, serving, you know, listening to my grandpa preach, uh, you know, in altar calls and all sorts of, uh, I guess what us kids who grew up in the ministry, you know, would consider normal. My dad grew up in a very different household than my mom, specifically not being Christian. He saw he grew up with the presence of alcohol and smoking. And there was a lot of issues when it came to his relationship with his parents. My mom and uh, my grandparents lived in Brownsville, Texas, and so he would come over and just see her for the weekend and stay at my grandparents' house. And so my grandparents loved him, even though, you know, he wasn't uh, a a born-again believer. During this time, my mom, she was praying, you know. And just waiting for God to do a miracle with him and that he come and know the Lord. And my mom, every single weekend that he would come over, would ask him, do you want to go to church with us? And he would say, no, I don't want to go to church with you. And so after several times of asking him, she was praying. She just decided to stop asking him and and gave it, a, gave it to the Lord, gave it, put his life in God's hands. And several weeks passed, and after he noticed that my mom wasn't asking him to go to church, one Sunday he said, can I go to church with y'all? And she said, okay, you can go to church with us, but if you're coming, it's because you're coming with an open mind and an open heart to hear what God is speaking to you, and he, he agreed. And that Sunday was the same Sunday that he gave his life to Christ. And he became a born-again believer in my grandparents' church in Matamoros, Tamaulipas. So right across the border from Brazil. And from there on, they got engaged. And they got married July 29th, 2000. Three months into their marriage, four months actually, uh, they found out my mom was pregnant. And so it was a happy time. It was going to be... Uh, you know, their first kid, my grandparents, third grandkid. And my dad always says that how even when he was little, he would think of having a son and he wanted to teach his son how to play baseball. You know, he wanted to uh, go out and play ball with his son or, uh, you know, be helping be part of a team and do all that normal fun dad stuff. And 17 weeks into the pregnancy, my mom goes in for a checkup. And while the doctor is, uh, you know, checking the sonogram, she sees a very worried look on the doctor. And so they didn't know what was going on. They were waiting for the doctor to come back into the room after she had stepped out. And the doctor verified on the ultrasound or the sonogram and told them, your baby is not developing arms or legs. She said, "And we don't believe there is much of a chance that after at this stage where the uh, where the fetus is that
1: it will develop at all the condition is called tetraamelia syndrome and its chief hallmark is being born without any limbs it is an incredibly rare disorder and unfortunately most babies with this condition are stillborn or die shortly after birth and of course edgar's parents had absolutely no idea how to respond And so
0: for them, it was a huge shock. I mean, my dad hadn't even been a born again believer for, you know, for what, six, seven months. And my mom being the daughter of pastors, you know, I mean, it it hit them really hard and it hit them like a train coming towards them. And uh, my mom, you know, got to the point a bit after that where my mom said and gave my dad the option of staying or leaving and my dad of course you know just in prayer uh he said you know i'm i'm gonna stay i'm gonna stay here and do what god has called me to do which is right be be by my wife and they went through the pregnancy and during that pregnancy my mom kept going to the doctor's appointments but every single time she would go the doctors would always recommend terminate the pregnancy terminate the pregnancy, terminate the pregnancy. I mean, it was coming from all different sides and angles, you know, of the medical field and even from from personal family members. Uh, you know, what, what sin did you commit? You know, what uh, what did you do for your son to, you know, becoming the way he is? And so my parents just shut everyone out at that point except my, except my grandparents and, you know, my mom's immediate family. And uh, they they got to a point where she stopped going to doctor's appointments, she stopped getting prenatal care, and several weeks before I was born, uh, she woke up in terror because uh, the enemy at that point had just begun attacking her spiritually with thoughts and everything that you could think of, and she had said, you know, you know, you know, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Let's go and term- you know, terminate the pregnancy. My dad being, you know, being a newborn believer, you know, he prayed with her. And the Lord brought peace and calm over their life that night. She knew that that wasn't the path to go. You know, she knew that in the end, God was going to be the one who
1: was going to take care of her. Edgar's mom resumed her checkups and prenatal care. But then just seven weeks before Edgar's due date, his parents got another surprise.
0: My mom, she went in for a checkup, for the the normal checkup. And again, they went in and checked the ultrasound. And here we go. Again, more news that I was running out of amniotic fluid. The doctor said the baby needs to come out like right now. So we're admitting you to the hospital. You can go and get your things and then we'll meet you at a certain time. And my mom said she got out of there. My dad was with her. They both got out of there and they didn't feel a thing. I mean they, they 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 felt just calm. And so they got into the car, they drove to the house where they were living with my grandparents at that time, and my they, they they walk in, they sat them down, this is what's happening, and the spirit of God led or directed my grandma to go grab her bible. And when she grabbed it, she sat down and the spirit took her to psalms 46 10 which says be still and know that i am god and i'll be exalted among the nations i'll be exalted in the earth and from there on that was my life verse that was the foundation i guess you could say you know the, the the foundation or the promise that god you know was going to you know, bring me into this world, and that he was going to be the one who was going to be glorifying. that he was going to be the one taking care of me. And at that point, they prayed before they went to the hospital, and they, you know, they left. So prior to that, the doctors had said so many things that my parents couldn't keep track of. So it was, the baby's going to have no limbs, the baby's going to have no kidneys, his intestines might be coming out through the outside when he's born. And so there was really never one consensus as to how I was going to be born. All they knew is I was coming without arms or legs. And so I was born through C-section, emergency. And the doctor, instead of reacting in a very frantic way or rushing me to go get treatment or anything like that, she, uh, she held me and she pulled me right next to my mom and said, look at your baby more. For my mom, that was a huge relief because after not knowing what was gonna happen, God used this doctor to help her see, you know, this is what God has made.
1: Edgar's parents were amazed. Although their son didn't have arms or legs like other babies, he was beautiful. They thought of Psalm 139, where the psalmist writes, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The doctors were thrilled that Edgar was healthy, but they couldn't really explain why he was born the way that he was. In fact, to this day, no one really knows for sure why Edgar was born without limbs. But there is one thing that Edgar and his family know, which is that Edgar has been fearfully and wonderfully made. Over the years, two younger siblings would join Edgar in quick succession, both of them sisters, and neither of them had Tetra Amelia. It took a few years for everyone to get accustomed to helping Edgar meet his physical needs, but eventually, the family found their rhythms and life fell into a regular pace. And it was from this early stage of normalcy that Edgar began to think about God at the age of eight. We
0: were living with my grandparents and we would go to church. So every Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday in the afternoon, uh, my dad uh, started working and he started serving in the church as well as the Sunday school teacher. I mean, it was a very, very uh calm time and just... Going through life with my family, I mean, if there's something that I wouldn't give up till now, it's that, you know, I mean, the early years to where those were critical informing who I was, you know, specifically my grandparents teaching me, you know, Psalms and teaching me hymns and, uh, buying me VeggieTales galore, you know. I mean, I had every single uh, VeggieTale movie you could think of, you know. I mean, and just reading the Bible with me and teaching me who God was. I mean, those early years were critical to forming the way I am right now, and of course, were the foundations that God placed for my faith. Um, and during during that time, personally, you know, my grandparents, you know, they, they got sick. You know, my grandma had a stroke. My grandpa was diagnosed with cancer, but they both kept serving all the way until the very end. Uh, my grandpa passed away in 2010. He went home to be with the Lord. And, uh, you know, it was for me at that point, I say this because it was devastating. Um because I was so close to him, I mean, I mean with both of them, but with him, you know i I had a special bond with him, and when he left, I mean I remember questions of, Lord, well, what happens next, or well what's heaven like lord and these little these questions that just came to me as a little kid, and you know, realizing it now that I'm older, it was the foundation, again, another one of the foundations that got placed for my faith, and I kept Asking and praying uh, until that December, actually, the Lord uh, revealed Himself to me as you know Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and you know the sacrifice that He made for our sins. And I mean, it was just one thing after another after another that led to me giving my life to the Lord. December of two thousand ten,
1: with his faith his own, Edgar was ready for the next chapter in his life, which you'll hear about right after the break. As a teenager, I had so many friends whose lives were transformed by attending a Worldview Academy leadership camp. For many of them, it was the highlight of their summer because it was such a spiritually engaging experience. And today, Worldview Academy's mission continues. If you have a student between 13 to 18 and you care about equipping them with biblical truth so that they're prepared to stand firm and engage with the culture, then Worldview Academy is what you're looking for. Worldview Academy's week-long summer intensives cover topics in apologetics, servant leadership, and evangelism, all while building deep friendships with like-minded students. Your student will engage with 25 hours of interactive teaching, addressing questions like, how do I know that the Bible is true? Does God really exist? Who defines what is right or wrong? And what difference does that make in my life? Since 1996, over 42,000 students have called this one of the best weeks of their life. And with 18 summer intensives all across the country, there's certain to be one near you. Learn more and get 10% off your student's camp registration as a Compelled listener by using the promo code COMPELLED at worldview.org. Register for camp today at worldview.org while spots are still available. And remember to get 10% off using the promo code COMPELLED. Have you ever wondered why traditional math curriculums seem like they have a one-size-fits-all approach? Well, that's because they do. The curriculum writers are making assumptions about how quickly your child is progressing, even if your child is actually struggling with a concept, which, if left unchecked, can become a major hurdle to learning and hurt their confidence. That's one of the reasons why CTC Math exists. It's an adaptive online approach that automatically changes depending on your child's unique learning needs. By adapting to your student's pace, learning becomes not only more effective, but also more enjoyable. Can you imagine? No more tears about fractions. The interactive questions change in difficulty based on how your child is progressing, ensuring that they're challenged at the level that's right for them. Not too hard, not too easy. It's just like having a math tutor who knows exactly what they need, when they need it. And as a parent, you'll love the detailed reports. You'll get to see their progress in real time and celebrate their victories and understand their challenges. Ready to give your child's math education a major boost? Just visit ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial and experience firsthand how personalized learning can transform your child's approach to math. Again, that's ctcmath.com. Welcome back to compelled we've been listening to Edgar Pacheco share about his life growing up without arms or legs now in many ways Edgar grew up just like other kids he had a loving family went to church had friends went through puberty and all those kinds of things but high school was tricky and not just because of the regular things that high schoolers deal with like friends cliques, peer pressure and of course schoolwork but also because there was difficulty dealing with school administrators who were unprepared or sometimes even unwilling to work through Edgar's physical challenges but in the midst of those challenges Edgar learned an important lesson about loving others just as Christ loves us i am 24 inches some
0: 2 foot And my friends and I, we always laugh at that because one of them, he's he's maybe, what, 6'2", 6'3", and my sisters, of course, they're taller than me, but they always laugh at me because I'm so short. I say that because being born without arms and legs, you know, you have to have people help you do certain things. And one of those things is help you transfer from the bed to the chair, the chair to the car or, you know, or whatever it is or being pushed around. And so the way my day normally looks like is I'll get up in the morning and my dad or my mom or maybe on the weekends, you know, you know, if into there, you know, they'll help me, you know, they'll pick me up, get me out of the bed, put me on my chair and then they'll go help me do, uh, you know, toilet and uh, brushing my teeth. Uh, brushing my hair putting my clothes on um my mom irons a lot of my clothes and so in that sense i am very spoiled (laughs) um she it whenever i tell her maybe like not even 24 hour notice that i need a shirt iron and she's like why don't you tell me these things sooner uh but you know everyone who knew me since i was younger whether it was first grade third grade or eighth grade they knew who I was and they always tried to help me, you know, peers of my age, specifically being at school, because I needed extra help, not necessarily academically, but more functionally, um, you know, accessible restrooms, ramps, and the one-to-one aid being part of it. The way I describe it is it's a team kind of deal. So I'm the brain's. The other, the other person is the bronze, you know, so my arms and my legs. And so what the prep professional did at that point was help, you know, help me navigate through school. So making sure that the kids didn't bump into my wheelchair, for example. He would help me with toileting. So taking me to the restroom, he would help me with feeding. He would help me with writing down my assignments and uh, tests and all of that. So it was more, like I said, literally my arms and my legs. And, and now I will say I am I am functional to a certain degree i mean if someone cuts up my food then i can feed it by myself you know if i'm using a computer then i can i can type on the computer whether it's with a straw or whether it's with a headset that i can do speech to text you know but when it when it comes to out in public you know when these things aren't necessarily feasible, you know. That's when that paraprofessional comes in, you know, or in this case, you know, that's where my friends come in, you know. They feed me, they help me go to the restroom. Um, if, if I need to give someone a card or they're handing me a card, you know, that's where they come in as my hands, you know, or my legs.
1: As Edgar grew up, he went through several different school options, including being homeschooled for several years, then attending private school, and finally attending some different public schools. But because he went to so many different schools, it became difficult to make and keep a core set of close friends. Not to mention trying to keep the same paraprofessional. professional. By his last year of schooling, Edgar realized that he really needed to find a support system that would last.
0: I go in my first day of uh, of my senior year to Pearland High School. I remember going into choir and then rolling up right next to the bleachers where they you know where the choir sings and everything. I tell. I tell the Lord, Lord, I need new friends, Lord. And I I feel something in me. And I I tell people, you know, it, it was the spirit of God just kind of telling me, you know, turn around. And so I turned around and I saw this very young, skinny guy. And so I remember telling this young man, hi. And this young man gets so scared. Like you could tell like he froze up, like he turns around and. He doesn't know what to do. So he's just like, uh, 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 stammering. And he's, and then he finally got the words out. Hi. And that was the very first conversation I ever had with Aiden, uh, my, my best friend. Aiden became almost like, like a brother because he was always there. And from there on, you know, God just reformed my support system. Not doing away with my parents, with them always being there, you know, but bringing new people in. And so I remember, you know, went to my second semester of senior year, got involved in choir more, did a, a what's called a pop show. And I remember one of the songs, the song I sang was I Can Only Imagine. I remember that was my first experience ever singing in front of 700 people, you know, just giving all honor and glory to God because he I'd, I'd never experienced that. Then I got to go to prom, you know, and uh went, went with a friend of mine who she's still my friend to this day. And it was Everything that I had missed out on, God was just giving it back to me 10 times fold of what I had originally imagined.
1: Now for years, Edgar's plan had been to finish high school at the top of his class, go to an Ivy League university, and become a computer programmer. But by his senior year of high school, Edgar realized that programming just wasn't his thing. He did have an interest in politics and government though, yet he wasn't sure what that could really look like as a career. And keep in mind... Every single decision that Edgar had to make had to be through the lens of someone living without arms or legs. And certainly, there was some insecurity there. What kind of job could Edgar work? Would anyone even want to hire him? Well, as it turned out, God was already working behind the scenes. Whenever you have a, a, a kid who
0: is in special education, especially in high, and in high school, uh, the state, state of Texas law requires school districts to begin transition planning at the age of 14. What that means is helping them get ready for their post-secondary life career goals, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, at my last ARD meeting, the, the school, well, my advocate, Mr. Geigerman, he came in and, you know, told him, hey, we need something in place for transition. What is what is Edgar going to do? You know, I mean, what's he going to do after high school, college, work? What are we going to do? And so the school district got together with their vocational coordinator at the high school, and she started talking with me. You know, well, here is some inter- You know, here here are some things. You know, you can be- you want to be a lawyer? You want to be a politician? What do you want to be? And at this point, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um, I knew I wanted to do something with politics and government service and everything, but I didn't know what or how to. Um, And so she got me meetings with the superintendent of the school. She got me meetings with uh, a board trustee of the district. Um, The last meeting that she set up before I graduated, this was in April, early April of 2019. I remember I was in class and uh, Drew, he comes up and he pulls me out of class. He's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, where are we going? He's like, just come. Okay, so just follow along. And this lady had asked for my resume the night before. And she's like, give me something, send it to me. And so I'm like, well, okay. And I just, you know, it's just another normal, they're going to, I'll send them this. And I'm never going to do anything. And so they take me down to the main lobby and she's like, have you told him? And Drew's like, no. And I'm like, okay, what is going on? And she's like, I've been working on this for the last three months. I didn't want him to say anything to you just in case he canceled. I'm like, in case who canceled? And she's like, you have a meeting with Congressman Pete Olson in the next next 10 minutes. So I have your resumes here and we're going to go in. And I'm like, Like, I remember just like my my jaw dropping. I'm like, oh, Lord, what's going to happen? You know, I've never met with a congressman before. I didn't know how to talk to them, but I'm like okay cool and And we just he sits down with me, starts talking, and anyone who has talked with well now former Congressman Pete Olson knows that one of his favorite subjects to discuss or to talk about is NASA and his uh and, you know in his air Force career, and so we kind of went on that, and we just had a very nice introductory conversation. And I'm like, okay, cool. And you know, got the opportunity to pray for Congressman Olson there, and he left. And it was all this was in thirty minutes. And she's like, so "How do you think it went?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I've never met with one. Yeah. But I'm like, I, you know, I think I think it was fine, or whatever it was." And so, for those three for for three weeks after I graduated, I had no clue what I was going to do. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember just laying on the couch watching TV and in my mind I remember Lord what am I gonna do? And maybe like maybe not even ten seconds after I, I asked that to the Lord, my phone rings. And it's and it's from Sugarland. I'm like, I don't know anyone in Sugarland. But I answered. And I answer. I'm like, Hello? Hi, this is so and so and I'm calling from Congressman Pete Olson's office. Um you applied for an internship several months back and we'd like to know if you're still interested and went and I'm like and for, for, I remember it was like maybe 5 or 10 seconds in my mind I'm like like my jaw dropped and they're like hello and I'm like yes of course and they're like awesome great and they started giving me the details you start in two weeks and and that was that. I mean It was three weeks after I graduated that God had opened up that door to start off my career, I guess. Career in politics. Career in politics. God really just started working in a mighty way, you know, doing research I'd never done, you know getting to go along with the congressman and shadow him at events and getting to know the more local leaders and everything. And at this point, my best friend Aiden, he's the one pushing me around. I mean, he was 15 at the time. So he was doing the
1: internship with you, with basically. Me. Yeah,
0: yeah, with me. I mean, he was the one who would give me the phone. If, I, if my straw fell on the floor, he'd give me that. He'd push me around. He'd feed me. Whatever it was, you know, what I mean, and we were both doing it at the same time and he went back to school. And so the last day we were at the office was the la- was his last day before he had to go back to school. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm going to go back. You know, I just need to find someone who's willing to go with me because they they had offered me that internship for However long I wanted, I mean, and I enjoyed working with every single person in that office, you know. And I remember the intern coordinator telling me, "You have this job for as long as you want." It. I mean, yeah. And I'm like, and I and my, my thought process was, you know, I'm, I'll stick with it, you know. And it's it's hilarious because at some point during that time, so. I, it hadn't been even a week when i started working with him that the congressman announced his retirement and so <laughs> and so nice. everyone you're like this is my career path forward and congressman olson's oh whoops whoops you whoops. know whoops exactly and so he retires and everyone's kind of you know okay you know what what do we do now
1: the internship with congressman olson lasted for just 3 months but it made a lasting impression on edgar He realized the impact that our government has on everyday citizens and the importance that we as Christians participate in that process. Through a long series of events, Edgar felt that God was calling him to run for school board while still a college student. He didn't win, but from that experience, he was invited to become a special education advocate for children with special needs. Earlier this year, Edgar began working on a bill at the Texas legislature that would help children with special needs receive better care that's when he saw God show up in another special way. And uh, there was a lot of things going on, but this bill had not,
0: they'd been trying to get it through for the last six years, for the last six years. And when I went up, I remember going into the Capitol and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. (laughs) I don't know how to do any of this. I mean, why? But all of a sudden I just started going around legislators' offices, giving them information uh, that day, then the next day was a meeting with a committee hearing as well. And my mentor calls me at midnight the night before. Can you testify? Someone dropped out. And so I have literally six hours to get a testimony written before uh, before the committee hearing. And we go up. We were there for 12 hours waiting just to testify on the bill. And uh, uh, we finally testified The next day I told him, you know, I'll finish up the committee and then, you know, whatever you guys want to do. Came up the next week, got it through the committee. We'd never gotten it through the committee. And he then calls me afterwards on my way home and he's like, we need someone up here 24-7 full time. And so uh, during that session, I was able to be up there for seven weeks. And God opened up a lot of doors to where we were able to get this bill passed. And every single day, every single day I went into that Capitol, I would always pray, Lord, be with me. Lord, be the one going before me. I can't do this by myself. Be with me. Be glorified. We got it through. We got it out of the house again because it had to go back. And uh, it was signed into law on June 15th of 2021 by Governor Abbott. And, you know, all this to say that our God is an awesome God. And that only he can take a young boy with no arms or legs and bring him all the way to the Texas state legislature to help pass a law for
1: kids who have special needs. As we closed our story, Edgar had a few last thoughts to share, specifically about whether he regrets living without arms or legs.
0: I always go back to what the Bible says, you know, that God, God is glorified in our weaknesses, you know, and I've always been pointed to the part in the Bible where it says that in our weakness, yes, God is glorified, but at the same time, that he, he he's with us, and that no matter what our circumstances, you know, he's always upholding us with his right hand. I've never been upset at how God made me, because He was, he has always been the one reassuring me That he made me who I was for a reason, you know? And I remember I asked him one time, you know, Lord, why? And the only thing that God or the spirit of God told me was what Satan meant for evil, God has turned it for good. And so whatever it might have been, you know, God has turned it upside down and has turned it for good you know, we've left it up to God and we know that God has been and will continue to be glorified through my life. And at least for me, I don't need any explanations as to why it happened or, or no, not why it happened. I don't need any explanation as to how it happened because if, if God is for us, who can be against us? And it's just, it's just a blessing to to be completely honest with you.
1: Amen, brother. Amen. Edgar, I've appreciated your time. Thanks for making the time today. Thank you, Aiden, for coming with Edgar out here. And yeah, man, excited to share this story with others. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. You know, Edgar's story really comes full circle. Here he is, this guy without arms or legs, who has every reason to be upset at the world and with the body that God created him with. But instead of growing bitter or angry or entitled, Edgar chooses to thank God for the opportunities he has been uniquely given. And now Edgar is using those same opportunities to help advocate for other children with special needs just like his. And fun fact, the bill that was passed by the Texas legislature this year helping special needs children receive better care was actually retitled by the Texas Senate to be called the Edgar Pacheco Jr. Act, which is pretty crazy if you ask me. But if you ask Edgar, He'll just point to a pretty crazy awesome God who can make anything happen, even when you don't have limbs. To learn more about Edgar and see some behind-the-scenes photos of him on the campaign trail and from his daily life and of his family, or to watch some videos of Edgar speaking with local news channels, visit our website, compelledpodcast.com, and pull up the show notes for this episode. You can also listen to the full two-hour-long behind-the-scenes version of this episode when you become a monthly supporter of Compelled on Patreon. You'll get access to all of our episodes one week early as well. And you can become a supporter for as little as $3 a month. Learn more by going to compelledpodcast.com and clicking the green button that says Support Our Work. Finally, if you're looking for a podcast app on your cell phone, then I would suggest CastBox. It's very easy to use and lets you download episodes to listen to ahead of time for when you're offline. You can download CastBox from Google Play for Android or the App Store for iPhone. This episode was edited by Zach Fowler and Will Jackson. Our media assistant is Ethan Adams and our associate producer is Sarah Hastings. Special thanks to compelled listener, Teresa Strack for introducing me to Edgar and to my friend Cameron Mallott for helping us record. Stay tuned for a sneak peek from next week's episode with Garrett Kell. For years, Garrett chased women, drugs, alcohol, and his own pleasures. But after being radically saved, he began serving the Lord as the pastor of a growing church. Yet Garrett still carried a dark secret, an addiction to pornography. But as Garrett would discover, the same Jesus who came to save the sinner also came to deliver the saints. I'm your host, Paul Hastings, and you've been listening to Compelled. We'll be back with another compelling story next Tuesday. During this time, I began to secretly wrestle with pornography. I think I just saw something one day on the internet on on my roommate's computer. I'd seen pornography before as a non-Christian, but this was the first time as a Christian that I think I'd seen it, And, and it began to to quickly become stronger in my my life. And I didn't know how to be honest as a Christian without disappointing people and making people think that what I thought about Jesus wasn't true. So I really began to, to wrestle in there with that secretly. One last thing before I go, if you'd like to meet up this year in 2024, I will actually be on the road for a few events, either speaking or exhibiting at some conferences. I am still nailing down all the details, but already I know that I'll be at the Texas Homeschool Convention in Fort Worth from April 18th through 20th, the other Texas Homeschool Convention in Houston from May 30th through June 1st, the Home Educators Association of Virginia Convention in Richmond from June 6th through 8th, and there's also the chance that I might be at some other events in Louisville, Kentucky and Nashville, Tennessee later in the year, but we haven't finalized those details yet. If you live near any of those locations, then I'd love to meet you. You can also see our latest up-to-date calendar of events at our website, compelledpodcast.com slash events. And I hope to see you there.